Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. Tonight starts our fall series. Been looking forward to this for some time now. And uh, sharing wisdom about, he's going to be talking to us about materialism. Materialism. Mark Jamison is going to be here next Wednesday night talking about worship. Well, Scotty is an old friend of mine. When I say old, it has nothing to do with how long I've known him. He's just old. No, that's not true. That's not true. But uh, he was at uh, Maston Lake for about 16 and a half years. He's been at Meridianville for a couple of years and then preaching full, the pulpit preacher there for almost a year. Scotty is a dear friend of mine, and uh, I love him so much. If you spend a little bit of time with Scotty Sparks, you're going to walk away a better person and uh, more encouraged about life and your situation in life. He's got a great sense of humor, and you'll laugh a little bit, but he knows the Bible very well. He's a wonderful communicator of the Word of God. Now, my kids will tell you, if you ask them, what's one of the greatest sermons you've ever heard, they will tell you, Scotty Sparks, a lesson that you did over at Maston Lake. They said that tonight. We were eating spaghetti at the supper table, and they said that very thing. So I love him and uh, Celine. They make just a great team. He's got three children, and he's waiting on a grandchild. Now, it may be three years, but he's waiting on a grandchild, right? We're so happy that he's here and look forward to his lesson. Well, Paul, I thank you for your kind words of introduction, and I am very thankful for the West Huntsville congregation and our our West Huntsville friends and family. I spoke last Wednesday night at a summer series uh, over in Scottsboro, and it was actually their their last one, their conclusion of their summer series. And I I told them, uh, well, you saved the best for last. Nobody even laughed. Uh, But but, um, I I see what Paul has done here. It's kind of like when you have a great dessert. And you eat all the, the stuff you don't like first, so you get the worst stuff over with first. That's, that's why I'm first tonight, you know, for your summary series. So, so I wound one up, and I'll start this one off. And hopefully, it'll go uphill from here for all of you. We want to think tonight about what the Bible has to say regarding materialism. And one passage, I think, that comes readily to our mind is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus says, No man can serve two masters. No man can serve two masters. Matthew 6, 24, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Most English translations use that word mammon there. It is a word in the original text that means money or material things. You probably have a footnote about that, or maybe even your translation says money. But the object there of of this word mammon, the definition of this word mammon, is material things, money, stuff, things. And Jesus is saying here, you cannot let that be your master. Because if you let that be your master, if you serve that and materialism becomes your way of life, then you will begin to dislike, eventually even hate, 
the one who really should be your master, who is God. You cannot serve two masters. You, you simply have to make a choice. And hopefully, with what we look at tonight, it will help us to have a better educated way to make the right choice, to make the better choice, to make what would be the best choice. We will come back to this text in Matthew chapter 6 before we finish up this evening. But if you would, turn to, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And this is going to be the text that we're going to use primarily as the basis for our lesson tonight in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes written by King Solomon. And we see that this was a man who was blessed abundantly by God in many ways. And we know that based on his prayer and his asking for the blessings of God, he was granted a degree of wisdom that exceeded the wisdom that any human being had on the face of the earth at that time and perhaps since then because it was a a godly blessing, a godly wisdom. And in addition to that, God blessed Solomon in many other ways as a king and with his kingdom, and he also blessed him materially. And that was a great blessing for Solomon, but it came to a point in his life as he grew older where he allowed the call of the world and the uh, uh, temptations of Satan to entice him and to draw him away. And he became more interested in things and stuff, and he forgot his godly wisdom. He forgot the source of all his blessings and all his wealth, and he turned away from that. It is hopeful, it is very hopeful that Ecclesiastes was written near the end of Solomon's life. Because if that is the case, it seems to be that maybe he turns his life back around to where it needed to be. Uh, You know, we say uh, Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, he wrote Song of Solomon as well. Song of Solomon probably written when he was a young man. Hopefully Ecclesiastes written when he was a much older man, a much wiser man than he even had been before, and a, a, a reformed and changed man from the direction that he had taken for I don't know how many years, but, but a substantial portion of his adult life where he had been away from God. And we understand that to involve many different things, but what we really want to focus on tonight is, is the material aspect that Solomon used to direct him away from God. And when we look at our text, and, and it's basically going to be the entirety of Ecclesiastes chapter 2, but when we look at this text, we're going to break it down into three parts because it fairly easily divides itself that way. And we're going to see how Solomon misused three different things that we will learn from this text in a way that God had not intended for him to use them. You'll see that, that the answer to life, and the book of Ecclesiastes is a lot of you know, asking the question, what is life about? Trying to find out what life is about and you get to chapter 12, well here it is, fear God and keep his commandments, that's what life is supposed to be about. But Along the way, getting to the last chapter, he he says, here's a lot of things I tried. Here's a lot of things that I thought were the answers to life. And in chapter 2, we see that he's going to try at least three things. He's going to try wealth. He's going to try wisdom. And he's going to try work. And by those three terms, put the word worldly in front of them. Because he's going to try not the wealth of God, but the wealth of the world, worldly wealth. 
He's going to try worldly wisdom. And he's going to try worldly work to find the answer to life. And he meets a dead end every single time. And so with that in mind of of the approach that we want to take to the text, if you would, let's read Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verses 1 through 10. And we're breaking this down to understand that the answer to life is not found in worldly wealth, materialism. And all really all three of these things we're going to think about, we're tying together with materialism, is not the answer to life. But beginning in verse 1 of Ecclesiastes 2, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under the heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. Now, now we're thinking about wealth in this first point. Listen to how he describes his wealth. I built houses, plural, his own house that he built. When you go back and you read the account in Kings, the, the Bible tells us he spent seven years building the tabernacle, and he, the temple rather. He spent seven years building the temple, and he spent 13 years building his own house. Some of those guys are working on Highway 231 right now. But he spent 13 years building his own house. But he says, I built for myself houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I made, I I bought male and female slaves. I had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. In other words, he's saying, you know, I win. I win. I had the most. I win. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the children of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. I was at the top. I had the most. I was the most. I had everything a man could want as far as material possessions are concerned. I had everything that money could buy and money left to buy more if I wanted it. Whatever my eyes desired, verse 10, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure For my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was the reward of all my toil. He had everything that a man could ever dream about. Everything. He he, he won the showcase. He had it all. You name it, he had it. If it existed and he wanted it, he bought it. He acquired it. He had it all. But what's his conclusion? 
when you keep reading in our text in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and you read verse 11, then, then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity. And striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. The man who had gained it all, the man who had it all, the man who said of himself, there was no one greater in this region before me. I had it all. And when I thought about it, and I looked at it, and I counted it all up, and I took the inventory, there was nothing to be gained. It was vanity. It was chasing, striving after the wind. Some translations or footnotes say for that word vanity, futility, worthlessness, uselessness. And when he looks at all that he had, And when you go back and you read in in the book of Kings and Chronicles, the descriptions of his house and his wealth. Uh, In fact, uh, 1 Kings chapter 9 tells us that he had 666 talents of gold a year coming into him, which is the equivalent of about 25 tons of gold a year. The last time I looked at the price of gold per ounce, it was like $1,900. And when you begin to figure all that up, it's billions of dollars. Billions of dollars. Year after year after year after year after year. And he says, it was futility. It was pointless. I had nothing to gain. It reminds us of something Jesus tells us in Luke 12. If you would look at a parable that Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 12, beginning uh, in verse 13. Luke 12, verse 13, the Bible tells us, someone in the crowd, when Jesus was teaching, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brothers to divide the inheritance with me. You know, you think you know people until you have to, you know, inherit something with them. And and apparently there, there was an issue here. And so he says, I'll appeal to this guy. I'll appeal to the Lord. You know, divide the inheritance with me. Let me get my share here. You know, families are often torn apart over money. Families can endure horrible sicknesses, death, disease, losses of all kinds, but you wave money in front of a family and sometimes they will implode because they are too materialistic and they are too caught up in the material things of this world. And so this man says, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And he said to him, man, who made me the judge and arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on guard. One translation says, take care and beware. It's sort of like, you know, you pull up to a four-way stop sign. This is what Jesus is saying here. And when you pull up to that four-way stop sign, before you get to the stop sign, there's a sign on the road that says, stop sign ahead. Stop ahead. And when you get up there, there's the four-way stop sign on the pole. And there's a blinking red light up in the middle of the intersection. And the word stop is painted on the pavement. 
Jesus is saying, pay attention. I mean, they obviously want you to stop at that intersection. And Jesus is saying, take heed and beware. Pay attention to what I'm about to tell you. This is very important. And he says, take care and be on guard against all covetousness, greed, materialism. One of the two masters that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6, 24. Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. You keep reading in the text. He told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, What shall I do? I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, and here's God's evaluation of of anyone then and anyone now, if this is our attitude about material things. God said to him, fool, you fool, thou fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The answer to life is not found in worldly wealth. Number two, we go back to our text in Ecclesiastes 2. We see that the answer to life is not found in worldly wisdom. The answer to this life is not found in the wisdom of the world. Now, now Solomon was endowed with a, a degree of wisdom that was godly wisdom, holy wisdom. The kind of wisdom, you know, the Bible tells us in Luke 2.52, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature uh, with, in favor with God and man. And that's the kind of wisdom that, that God gave him. He exercised that in the early part of his administration. He exercised that in the early part of his life. But then he departed from it because he got too wrapped up in the wisdom of the world. And, and so when we go back to our text and we begin reading at verse 12, we see how he will describe that this is not the answer either. This is not the solution to life. This is not the solution to any problems that we may have. He says, Ecclesiastes 2, verse 12, So I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fools walk in darkness. And yet I perceived that the same event happens to them all. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool? Remind you of what Jesus said. Uh, that we just read a few moments ago. What happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity, worthless, useless, futility, pointless. This also is vanity. For of the wise as of the fool... There is no enduring remembrance, 
seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies, just like the fool. So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me and all is vanity and chasing after the wind. We rightfully so, I think, place an emphasis on education. And we are blessed to live in the community that we do, in the, in the county that we do, in this part of, of uh, the, the country, the state that we do, where, where there's a great emphasis on education. We have great educational institutes around here. And we have a lot of people here, probably per capita, more people with advanced degrees than in a lot of places in the whole United States. But that's not the solution to life. As helpful, as beneficial, as good as it is. My faith, my eternal security, my life is not tied to how much I know outside of Scripture. It's not tied to how smart I am. It's not tied to my IQ. It has nothing to do with that. And Solomon says, you know, I tried everything. I tried wisdom. I tried folly. You know, I, I tried to learn everything. I went, went this extreme. I went to that extreme. I, 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 I tried everything that there was. And then this realization came to him, no matter how, how high I can stack my accolades, no matter how high I can stack the blocks and the accomplishments and the degrees, one day I'm just going to die. I'm going to die just like the person who has not tried to accomplish all the things that I've accomplished. Same end for me as that other guy. And because his emphasis was just on worldly wealth and worldly wisdom, he says, this is a very dramatic statement, I hated life. One of the last people in the world that you would have thought would have made a statement like that would have been a man who was so blessed abundantly like Solomon. A man with, with, with the abilities, a man with the wisdom, a man with the wealth and the money and, and, and all that he had. You would have never thought this guy would have said, I hate life. As we look around at one another and as we look in the mirror, at ourselves. You may think you would be the last person to say it. But if your entire emphasis in this world, if your entire emphasis in this life is just to be smart and just to have a bunch of degrees and have piles and piles of money, You may think you'd be the last person to say it. But you will repeat the very words of Solomon in that mirror. You will hate your life. Because you know what? There's always someone better. There's always someone smarter. There's always someone sharper. There's always someone faster. And if your whole emphasis is on, I'm going to be number one, you've forgotten really who number one is. You've forgotten the source of the blessings. 
And consequently, this education, God says, Solomon says, the Holy Spirit through Solomon says, this education will turn you into a fool. And the life you thought you would love, so much flaunting before everyone else, you will hate and despise. So the answer is not found in the wisdom of this world. But now we go back to our text in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And we want to read some of the remaining verses to make our third application of asking about the answer to life and what is the solution to life. It's not in worldly wealth. Secondly, it's not in worldly wisdom. And then third, he's going to tell us, and we'll read it in just a moment, it's not in worldly work or toil. He's mentioned, these points overlap with one another. They're not perfectly divided in, in the text. They overlap because all of this overlaps. Because these, these things all sort of go together. You know, the person who, who wants to achieve what the world has to offer, this is sort of a package deal, you know, you know well, the money and, and, and the, the intelligence and, and the job, you know, that, that gets me the money. You know, I have the intelligence to get the job, to get the money. And, and it's just all sort of this big package deal. And so, so it's not, you know, precisely divided up in the text where one doesn't speak to the other. And they all speak to one another. Because they're all symptomatic of the same flaw. They're all symptomatic of the same problem. They're all symptomatic of the same issue. And that's materialism. That is trying to serve God, not not serve God, but serve material things. Whether that be cash, or degrees, or a job, whatever it may be. Trying to find the answer to life. Trying to find the solution to make me a happy person. And every time Solomon says, I think I got it, he ends up saying, vanity, worthless, futility, no good at all. Well, he says, third in our lesson this evening, the answer is not found in worldly work. When you look at our text in verse 18, this is Ecclesiastes 2 verse 18. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night, His heart does not rest. This also is vanity. We kill ourselves sometimes trying to make money. We kill ourselves sometimes trying to have a better car, 
a bigger house, a better 401k, a better IRA, a nicer retirement home, a bigger vacation, on and on and on and on and on and on the list can go. I want this and I want that and I want this and I want that. And we kill ourselves emotionally, psychologically, mentally, and worst of all, spiritually. We kill ourselves trying to accomplish all those things. Trying to to accumulate all of those things and trying to be so much better and so much bigger and have so much more stuff. We kill ourselves. We work all those extra hours. We do all those extra things because we want more and we want more and we are driven and driven and driven to accumulate more, more money, more stuff, more things. Solomon says, one day you're going to die. What are you going to do then? One day, you have to leave all this stuff to somebody else. What are you going to do then? And he says, all of this accumulating and all of this work and toil and labor and skill. I hated it. I hated my life. I hated everything I've done because it's all been for nothing. Because it's all vanity and vexation. It's killing me. I'm depressed. I'm distressed. I have not found the answer to anything that God really has tried to give me because I'm looking at all the wrong places. Solomon was blessed with a degree of wealth and wisdom and abilities that, that far exceeded any one of his time and perhaps anyone ever since. But he misused them. And he abused them. And consequently, look at the consequences that he reaped in his life. You would have thought, you would have thought, there could have been no happier man ever. But you read Ecclesiastes 2. And you're, harder, you're hard-pressed to find a more miserable man in the history of mankind than Solomon. Just because he wanted stuff. I can say a couple of names here that will conjure up memories and, and, and knowledge in our minds, uh, like Sears and Roebuck. And you can remember about this multi-billion dollar corporation that existed for over a century and, 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 and at its peak, almost 6,000 stores in the United States and across the world. According to the internet, you can believe everything you read on the internet. I read that on the internet. But, but according to the internet, there are 11 stores left of Sears and Roebuck Company. A multi-billion dollar business that lasted for decade after decade after decade. All but gone. 
Think of all the work and the time and the effort and the skill. All but gone. And when we try to stack all these things up with our work and with our wisdom and with our wealth, we try to stack all of them up, one day, they'll be all but gone. One day, they will be gone. And if they're not, I most certainly will be. You see, we're talking about things that don't last. Worldly wealth, it doesn't last. Worldly wisdom, intelligence, and degrees, they don't last. Worldly work, toil, labors, all these things that we've read in the latter part of Ecclesiastes chapter 2, they come to an end. And, And we spend all of our time trying to make money and a name for ourselves when God already has the name that we need for ourselves. We don't need to make a name for ourselves. God has the name that we need for ourselves. He's already made it. We don't need to make a name. God's done it for us. And we are blinded by Satan. When we fall for the tactics and the temptations to put our emphasis on any of the things that we've talked about from Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And when we put our, our, our emphasis there, our life will end up just like Solomon's futility, meaningless, useless, pointless. Jesus warns us about this. I told you we'd come back to Matthew chapter 6. And so if you would, turn to Matthew chapter 6. We read verse 24 of Matthew chapter 6 at the introduction of this lesson where Jesus warns us that no man can serve two masters. You're either going to hate one or love the other, be devoted to one and despise the other, cannot serve God in material things. In fact, there's a, relation, there's a proportional relationship there. It's not that I equally love this one and I equally hate that one. It's the more I love this one, the more I will hate this one. And so, so you get this kind of movement going here. So you can take that two ways. You can take that the positive way. The more I love God, the less I will love and the more, or the more I will hate all these other things of a material nature. And, and, and they grow apart from, not equal with one another, but they proportionally grow a distance from one another. And the more you love God, the more you will hate what you're supposed to hate. But there's a flip side to this, and that's what Jesus is warning about. That's what Solomon writes about. That's what we've been talking about and studying about all night. The more I love stuff and money and things and all that the world has to offer, the more I love that, the more I will hate my Lord who died for me. The more distant I will grow from my God and Savior. So Jesus warns us in Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25, after he said you cannot serve God and money. Verse 25, therefore, therefore I tell you, Jesus means business here. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Don't have anxiety 
That's what he's saying here. Don't, don't have anxiety. And that's exactly what Solomon describes in his heart and mind and life. You know, I, I, I was upset about everything. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I tell you that even Solomon, who we've been talking about in Ecclesiastes 2, Jesus says even Solomon was not dressed or arrayed like one of these But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You've heard the story told probably many times before. Forgive me if it's been recent, but it illustrates the point I'm trying to make. The young man who's getting ready to graduate high school and he's asked by his father, what are your plans? Well, dad, I'm going to college. Well, what are your plans? Uh, you know, what are you, you going to do? Well, I'm going to major in this and try to make good grades and graduate with honors. Well, what then? Well, um, I guess I'll get a job in that, that chosen field. Well, very good, son. Well, what then? Well, I, hopefully I'll establish a good career, maybe move up, you know, in management and, 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 and work in that career very satisfactorily. Well, what then? I don't know, Dad. Maybe I'll get married. I hope I'll get married. Well, very good. What then? Well, hopefully we'll have some children, grandchildren, you know. And he's laying out his life as he's sitting here being uh, um, quizzed by his father and asked, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? And he keeps asking him, well, what then? What then? And, and, and he gets to the point where the son is saying, well, I, I guess eventually after that long, illustrious career, hopefully I'll retire. Well, what then? Well, maybe I'll buy a smaller house and we'll retire down somewhere we like, to the mountains or to the beach or something like that. Well, what then? Well, I'll just enjoy my retirement. Yes, but what then? What then? And finally, the young man says, well, I guess eventually, Dad, I'll I'll die. And his father says, yes, son. And what then? We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.